It's the European Championship Group Previews on Caught Offside. Oh, yes! Caught Offside in the suburbs of New York City in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. It's part two of our UEFA Euro Group Previews. Andrew Gunling and Jay, Jay Devaney. What's up, brother? Oh, Andrew, I, I, I'm so looking forward to this these group previews, our final part, but um, I long for the, the old days, Andrew, um, where you're worrying about Wayne Rooney in an oxygen tent. Will he be ready for the tournament? Uh, Zidane with a strapped hamstring. Regular pre-tournament concerns. Not this headline. Spain squad in isolation after Sergio Busquets tests positive for COVID-19. And they have to pull out their final warm-up game against Lithuania. I'm done with this stuff. I want old style injuries back, not this absolute terror. We go now live to Joe Girardi for comment. Well, it's not what you want. No, no, it's really not. We'll get to Spain, of course. Yes. yes. Uh, because on this part two, we will be tackling groups D, E, and F. If you missed part one, uh, just go check your feed and uh, scroll down like one spot. It should be right there, A, B, and C. So. Uh, go do that. Go do that. But yes, D, E, and F, we're going to get to, there's a lot of glamour coming in the in these three groups. Group F especially, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but yeah, this is some of the big boys, JJ. Yeah, and I, we get to talk about one of the greatest things ever, which is England at a major tournament. <laughs> and Scotland at a major tournament, which hasn't yeah. happened in a long time. And the two of them in the same group. And let's go to that group right now. Group D. This is a fun group. Croatia, Czech Republic, England, and Scotland. Uh, lots of fun matchups here. I'll be very uh, I'll be very curious for your answer to question two when we get to our or is it three? Um, whatever. When we get to our five big questions of the uh, the matchup you're most interested in in this group. But let's start. JJ, uh, we'll quickly run through these teams here. Croatia, the 2018 World Cup runners up. Um, Back in the 2016 Euros, they went out to Portugal in the round of 16 in the 117th minute in those in in the string of games where Portugal refused to win in normal time. Um, Croatia did not necessarily have an easy time in qualifying. Um, they did win their group, which included Wales, Slovakia, and Hungary. So it was a difficult group. Um, and uh, I believe the point total that they won with, it was something like 17 or 18 points. It was the low, the least of any group winner. Um, and this is still, to a certain extent, this is still very much Luka Modric's team. He just signed a new contract with Real Madrid. 136 caps, JJ. My God. Uh, at the last major tournament, of course, at the World Cup, he rode that performance to a Ballon d'Or. So uh, he's still the man, Luka Modric, even at his advanced age. He's very much the man. There's been changes to the team. There's more of a youth movement happening, but it's essentially him at the hub of things. And he is released from the legal problems that he had in at the last tournament that were kind of hovering over him. So we should see a, a, a lighter, a lighter spirited Modric at this one, but still the absolute hub of the team. Yeah. He's uh, he's sensational. Uh, Czech Republic runners up in their group behind England. The, those two will be paired together. Once again, uh, Bayer Leverkusen's Patrick Schick led uh, the way in scoring for them four goals during qualification. They won this competition, JJ, back in 1976 when they were Czechoslovakia. That's right. Now, of course, those are two different teams both in this tournament. They won it with Antonin Penenka's penalty against Germany, uh, who were then West Germany. And then they went to the final 
1996, only to be beaten by the Germans. Mm, because the Germans always win. One thing to watch for, and I know for a lot of people, this is, uh, this is an England issue, but Czech Republic are going to play England, and there's something curious that could occur in that. So the issue of taking a knee, uh, it's been talked about a lot, obviously, since England started their tune-ups, and the fan response in, at the Riverside Stadium was not positive. And I think that was, I mean, there, for me, I'll speak for myself, I find that disturbing and worrisome. Um, but the reason, speak- I, the reason I bring it up, though, with the Czech Republic, JJ, is, is for this. So in their World Cup qualifier against Wales on March 30th, the Czech Republic team chose not to take a knee along with the Welsh team prior to kickoff of the match. Instead, they stood and pointed to the UEFA respect badge on the sleeve of their kits. Yes. Um, respect UEFA's social responsibility program was launched in 2008. And its objective, of course, is to support local communities, tackle social issues, work towards unity, respect across gender, race, religion, everything. Um, so I'm not saying it's it's necessarily a bad message that they were trying to send. And the Czech Republic FA explained afterwards the team's decision to not take a knee with a statement that said the Czech national team will express its support in the fight against racism, as well as other manifestations of intolerance, xenophobia, or anti-Semitism by pointing to the UEFA respect inscription on the left sleeve of the jersey, referring to the UEFA campaign of the same name, which addresses these issues. So Here's the issue that I have with it, and it will be interesting when they play England because I'm guessing England certainly will continue taking a knee. It's it's become a cause that's extremely important to them because of the response that it's gotten from some um, those who some of those who oppose it. I think it becomes more important for them to stress their message. So what I would say to the Czech team is, okay, like it sounds like from their statement, their intention is pure and and on the right side here, um, but like. Understand that your message, if that is the way you feel, your message is getting muddled and contorted, and now it's being lost. People are wondering, well, what is it that they're that they actually think? Why won't they take a knee instead of what's important, and that is showing unity of two teams. So, what I would say to the Czech team is, like, stop, stop doing that. Like, just do both. Take the knee and point to the badge. Well, like, well I think the Czechs will be joined by the Hungarians in doing that because the Irish team took the knee last night and were roundly booed by the the Hungarian fans in attendance um, last night, which, I mean, I, look, the the English issue is that the the England supporters who are who are booing this have come up with this idea, and they haven't come up with it. It's been pushed by politicians like Nigel Farage uh, that this is uh, in support of or taking a knee to a black li- the Black Lives Matter campaign, which which the right wing, of course, has tried to. Uh, paced as a, or, you know, call it a Marxist terrorist organization. They've tried to, to kind of, to smear them with this. Um, but like, you know, Tyrone Mings, Jack Grealish, they're not member of members of a terrorist organization. It, they've, the players have made it very clear why they're doing this. Like they, it's absolutely 100% obvious why they're doing this. And the, the, the fans that are now deciding that they're not having this, well, we know why they're not having this. You know, they don't want to see any, anything in terms of even the mildest protest from black people, black players. They don't want to see this. Yeah, that's the thing is like the, the last bit that I'll say on this, at least for now, is just that um, I think you have a segment of people who don't view this 
for what it is, they say, you know, they'll say, I don't, it's not about racism. I just don't want politics mixed with my sports. And I don't, I don't know, for me, I don't view this as a political issue. Being racially tolerant and accepting of others isn't really a political issue. It should just kind of be a way that we all live. Look, and and Andrew, it's, it's it's the mildest thing in the world. They literally as, as in, in the Catholic faith, genuflect, they kneel for like seconds and they get up and the game goes on. Yeah. You know, it's, it, oh, I just want to watch the football. Well, you can watch the football. No one's stopping you from watching the football. The football will happen. This is just a very respectful and, and useful, in, in the view of the English, in, England players, at least, who had a conversation about this. Gareth Southgate and his players sat down and said, are we going to continue to do this? And the players voted to continue to do this. And Gareth Southgate has a piece in the Players' Tribune. I have never believed that we should just stick to football. I know my voice carries weight, not because of who I am, but because of the position that I hold. At home, I'm below the kids and the dogs in the pecking order, but publicly, I am the England men's football team manager. I have a responsibility to the wider community to use my voice, and so do the players. That's all they're doing. There's no conspiracy here. There's no Marxist plot to defund the police or anything like that. These are players who are just making a point. They're just making a point that is a social point about fairness and equality, nothing else. And it's, it's, it's dis- what happened in Middlesbrough was disgraceful. Uh, they were drowned out towards the end. Uh, I, th- I think it was before the Romania game by people who clapped. But the bottom line from a footballing perspective is that England are going to be booed. Their players are going to be booed by their own fans before every game as it stands. That is an incredible situation to be in. Let's go to England now. They won their group in qualifying. Harry Kane led all of Euro qualifying and goals actually with 12. That was just one off the record uh, for European Championship qualifying of 13, which is held jointly by Robert Lewandowski and do you know who? I don't. David Healy of Northern Ireland. David Healy. Oh, remember Healy's golden days? He scored a hat-trick against Spain. Oh. Uh, England, of course, they come into this where their their last two major tournaments have kind of been all over the map. There was the extreme disappointment of 2016, where they got out of the group, which isn't terrible, but then lost to Iceland, which was, um, I think now maybe we look back on it a little bit differently because Iceland have turned out, even though they're not in this tournament, have turned out to be a good side. Uh, But in the moment, that was, I mean, that was... We don't truly horrifying. We don't look at it any differently. That was about as bad as it gets. Yeah. And then, of course, though, two years after that, there was the World Cup run to the semifinals in 2018, um, where they actually had a lead in the semifinal against aforementioned Croatia before they wound up bowing out in that one. So we'll see uh, who the real England is over the course of this tournament. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the era of good feelings for Gareth Southgate and this team. And uh, it it, uh, contributes to some of what we're going to talk about when we get to England in our five big questions. And then finally, JJ, there is Scotland. Welcome back to major tournament play, Scotland. It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, They finished third in Group I with five wins and also five losses, and they got some thumpings by Russia and Belgium. But never mind, Andrew, because an epic Nations League playoff win on penalties over Serbia meant the Scots qualified for their first Euros since 1996 and their first anything since the World Cup in France, 98. So it's good to have them back. Yeah. And if we're listing out all of our golden generation teams, I know sometimes we roll our eyes at that phrase, but this Scottish side would be one of them. Nine of their 26 players play in the Premier League. Ten of their 26 players are 24 years old or younger. Um, so it's a young team, clearly, with 
talented players on it. Uh, so I would say it's no fluke that they're in this tournament. They've been building towards this, managed by Steve Clark. Um, since becoming Scotland's manager June of 2019, he's managed a total of 20 games, 10 wins, six losses, four draws. Not bad. Not bad at all. No, he's been excellent. And uh, he is a pragmatist. So the first thing he did was kind of attempted to try and, and stop the, the leaking of goals. And he's been fairly successful. All right. Five questions. Here we go. Right. You ready? Yes, let's go. All right. We can only start, JJ, of course, with the English. Hype and England always go hand in hand at major tournaments. Why should we be believing the hype this time? Uh, the players at Garrett Southgate's disposal, Andrew. Very simple. Harry Kane, Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Jude Bellingham. These are some of the most exciting players that England have had in a long time, possibly since the team that reached the World Cup semifinal in 1990. Um, but why you shouldn't believe the hype? Well, hold on. Let's let's deal with the actual <laughs> no, but it, question but it first. Is, but sorry, that is the answer. The players yeah. at his disposal. It's that simple. These are players playing at the top level. Some of them in Champions League finals. In the case of Phil Foden and Mason Mount, some of them dominating uh, in the Champions League midfield at, at age seventeen or eighteen. Jude Bellingham, Harry Kane, top scorer in England. Jaden Sancho, probably on his way somewhere for a big money move. And Jack Grealish, who we know all about from the Premier League. What else is there to actually Well, I, I just, I, I love the blend of experienced players with like real youthful players who are going to really be getting their first taste of tournament mm -hmm. action. I just think it's like, it, it, it just gives me like the right feel in their camp. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I just get the sense that this team is, is very much together and depth. I mean, like much of what you just said there, but it feels like they can go deep, you know, look, like look at fullback. You know, they, they've lost Trent Alexander-Arnold, which in another year might be disastrous. But, like, that position group still has Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Luke Shaw, Kieran Trippi. Like, Gareth Southgate is still going to have difficult decisions to make even after losing one of his best players at that position. So I, I'm, I'm believing it. I'm, I'm in on the hype, JJ. Now tell yeah. me why I shouldn't be. Well, okay, and, and, and I think that answer is threefold. Uh, one... Southgate's a conservative manager. He sticks to what he knows. So take, for example, Rashford and Sterling, two of his favorites. They're out of form, but so many people feel Southgate will give them the nod on Sunday against Croatia. I actually think one of them is going to lose out. Uh, but still, um, two, they're carrying injuries to two key players. You're talking about the veterans. Mm -hmm. Well, two key positions, two key players, two veterans. Harry Maguire is improving with his injury, according to the England medical staff. Will he be ready? Jordan Henderson has very little football played in three months. Roy King questioned whether it was wise to bring him at all. Um, should he break down? There's only Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, novices at centre midfield to fill in. And finally, the route, Andrew. Uh, this was pointed out by Jonathan Wilson in his ar uh, article, which is interesting. Should England top their group, they'll likely play Portugal or Germany in the last 16. That is tough. If they finish second, they get Poland or Sweden, which is more manageable, but that leads them to probably a quarterfinal with France. And you need to beat good teams, as Jonathan points out. I get it, but that is a tough route, and you wonder, will they be good enough to do it? And let's go to our old friend, the squad average age versus playing time. And <laughs> well, England you love this. Yeah, but well, here's, the, here's the, the kind of split. England have the second youngest squad at the tournament. Great, but also the most used one. The Premier League voting for only three subs instead of five probably has an effect there. And you can get that on at Rahule32. 
online. So look, um, those are the reasons I think they could struggle. I, I worry about centre-back, Andrew. I really do. And, um, and I worry about the manager. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think the manager is conservative. And instead of going for this, you know, is he going to use Jude Bellingham? I think he absolutely should. Will he use Jack Grealish? He's been a Grealish skeptic. We'll see. Well, we'll see. We're going to talk about Grealish shortly. Um, the second question here, which group stage matchup are you most excited for? There, I mean, there are some good ones to choose from. Ultimately, I went uh, with the, the first one for England and Croatia, meeting straight out of the gate Sunday, rematch of the World Cup semifinal. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the reasons for it is the reason that you just pointed out. Like, obviously, you'll want to win this. Um, you know, you want to win your group. But I, I would say to these teams that even if you don't, it, it's not the end of the world. Um, because of like you talked about winning this group pits you with the runner up from group F, which is, which is kind of not where you want to be. Um, and remember JJ, this was a, a similar situation that England dealt with at the last world cup yeah. in their final group stage match, where there was sort of this idea of, okay, we're, let's not throw this match, but certainly losing that game to Belgium, put them on a cleaner path to where they wound up getting to the semifinals. Um, uh, like I, I know they won't be thinking that way, obviously in their first group stage match, but I guess I'm just saying whoever loses this England or Croatia, um, as long as you take care of business in your next two games, which I would think that they should, uh, it, it won't be the end of the world for you. Yeah. I've gone with uh, England, Croatia and England, Scotland, England, Croatia, because you know, of all the points you've made there, but England, Scotland, because of the pure history as well. Um, and that rivalry, which we will talk a little bit later about the history. Uh, third question here, JJ, the player you're most excited about from this group. If you don't mind, I'm going to go first. Yeah, it's well, you're going to you... stand all over mine, so go on. Well, it's someone you mentioned a moment ago, and, and for me, this answer was extremely simple, and it's Jack Grealish. Um, you mentioned Gareth Southgate, and at times his kind of unwillingness to go to Grealish, which I've never, I've never really understood. And simply put, South, Southgate has to find a place for him in the starting 11. Correct. He just has to. And, and the thing about Grealish is, I mean, he is versatile. Like, they've tried using him at the number 10 spot. He's good there. They put him out wide on the left where uh, Southgate said he looked even better um, in their most recent tune-ups. He's a total player at this stage in his career. Like, he's in it now. His prime, ball at his feet, ability to pick a pass. And maybe the most important part of him, it cannot be understated just how important his ability is to draw fouls. Like he missed three months this season in the Premier League, and he's still the most fouled player in the Premier League over the last two seasons. And one thing that England does extremely well is set pieces. They scored nine of them in the last World Cup. That was the most. And Grealish can get England into those positions, whether they be in the box. He drew a penalty um, against Romania, which wound up being the, the winning goal for them. Uh, whether they're outside the box, they've got great free kick takers, obviously. So like he is, he, I think this is a tournament where if look, his name is out there, obviously, I don't care that he doesn't play at one of the, the super league clubs in England. Like we all know how great a player he is, but I think this is a tournament where he, he can even take it up to another level in terms of his notoriety. I, I think, I think that highly of him, JJ, he might be, you know, sometimes we joke about my, my favorite players, like my, <clears throat> my Charlie Austin infatuation, um, my Wilfried Zaha infatuation for some time. Grealish right now might be my favorite non-American, non-Tottenham player. I love him, and I hope Gareth Southgate does as well. I've, I've only one thing to add to that. Uh, Manchester United's Marcus Rashford 
said of the Irishman after the defeat of Romania. For us, it's just about allowing him to reach that full potential in an England shirt. We'll get that out of him. We'll win more games with him. That's, it, I mean, it's obvious. And as you said, the free kicks are such a huge thing. In the friendly against Romania, Ward-Prowse was whipping them in, and they almost always came from a Jack Grealish foul, mm-hmm. where he was fouled. He's, he's, he's one of those players. England always have one of those players. It's been, in the past, it's been Paul, Paul Scholes, Paul Gascoigne. You know, where do you play him? Where is his best position? In the case of Gascoigne, should you play him? Grealish is one of those players again, and Southgate can't get this wrong. He must start. It's uh, The things he does, the way he carries the ball, the way he carries the attack to the opposition, he must play and he must start on Sunday. I agree. And I love, you are so true to yourself. He's about to suit up for England at a European championship, and you're still introducing him as the Irishman. Andrew, in my notes, I'd written down, you'd said, who's the player from this group you're most excited about? I wrote Ireland's Jack Grealish. I wrote the Kerry man is that rare attacking commodity. You, you can do a bit of everything. You just got to let it go. I don't know how I else will, to say I it. will take this to my grave. Uh, let's see, JJ. When I say dark horse team, who do you say? Well, would you be shocked if the Czechs get out of the group? Not really. No, I mean, uh, not but- with the... Look, with that third place cushion, yeah. not, I know not every third place team gets out, only the, t- the best four, but like, it, it's hard to be either of these teams. Like, it's hard to either call the Czechs or the Scottish. Like, it can only be them. England and Croatia can't be a dark horse, so it can only be either the Czechs or Scottish, but I don't, I don't know that I'd be stunned with either of them getting no, out. No, I, I think they had, a, they had a fairly stingy defense in qualifying. They gave England a beating at home in qualifying, which was the... I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that game, not just because England were getting beaten, which I do enjoy, but, but the fact that the Czechs played such good football. Um, they are well, short you, of goals, and that could hurt them. They, the same as the Scots, I think up front, you, you wonder, because it, it's a lot to ask Schick to do. I don't think he's up to, to carrying that goal threat for an entire tournament. So we'll, But we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I said the Czechs as well. There's two players I think we have to mention. The West Ham connection. Sufal and Suchik. Yeah. I mean, Suchik especially. Just an incredible player. Box-to-box midfielder. Good defense. Really dangerous in attack. And goals. Um, yeah. And, and are you ready for... The, yeah, you talk about goals. You mm-hmm. lead me right into my mind-blowing stat of the day. You ready? Go on. Since joining the Premier League, the only midfielder to score more goals than Suchik is Bruno Fernandes. Goals, wow. JJ. Goals. The most important thing. That rare commodity. Um, and, uh, but you are right, though, to question it because they only scored 13 goals in qualifying, which is second fewest of all nations that qualified. So it's a legitimate concern. And he'll, he'll have to shoulder some of that load for sure if, if they're going to advance. Um, your, boy, your relationship with England is so fascinating to me. It, I feel it, like we, it, could, it, we could like do a documentary on this, just biz, this wild roller coaster ride that you have with them. Like you, you actively root against them. Oh and yeah. Yet there are moments when I feel like you love them. You, you're obsessed with them. Andrew, I have my dynamo Zagreb Jersey ready to go for Sunday, but you love them though. Like, yes. that's, <laughs> but this is weird. Your Why relationship weird? with the England is wild. It's just I, it, funny to me. It, it's a relationship that's, um, that's shared by many, many people from Scotland and Wales and Ireland and it's like not- you love every one of their players and yet you hate the team. It's, oh, I don't it's- love every one of their players. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Uh, so Jordan Henderson is stepping up 
to take what could be a winning penalty to win the European Championship. Well, he'll definitely miss it anyway. His penalties are ridiculously bad. But I'm just saying, in this fantasy world... Oh, I'm hoping he shanks it. Absolutely. 100%. I'll be shouting for Scotland um, in that matchup. I can't wait to sing the flower. Yep. Sorry, Uh, that's the way it is. Last but not least, um, is there a team in this group that you give no shot? My answer is that a simple no. I give everyone a shot here to get out. No. I mean, I'm just looking at the potential Scottish lineup uh, with McTominay in there. Uh, You've got Robertson, McGinn, Fraser. You wonder about Che Adams, but um, no, there's no team I don't say can't do something. There yeah. just, just isn't. Uh, all right. The wheel's back. Okay, here we go. Here. All right. Let's, uh, let's give it a spin. Oh, look at this. Glory days. Once again, this is the, the category where we go back to a, a tournament of the past and find a, a glorious highlight. That involves one of the teams from this group. What, you've presented us with a classic, JJ, that longtime listeners of this podcast might remember. What do you have here? Well, England are playing Scotland again for the first time at a major tournament since Euro 96, when a Israeli mentalist was flying over Wembley Stadium and made the ball at a crucial moment for Scotland. Scotland were 1-0 down. Gary McAllister is about to take a penalty, and the ball rolls. McAllister goes for power, which he never, which he said he never usually does. And David Seaman saves it. And afterwards, the Israeli mentalist, uh, Yuri Geller, who made his money and his fortune through bending spoons with his mind, I kid you not, claimed that he was above the ground in a helicopter. Let's listen. I looked out of the window and I shouted, one, two, three, move. It's Gary McAllister this week. Move! Oh, save on Seaman! Lo and behold, the ball moved. I saw it move. I, um, myself. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Yuri Geller, basically, him in a helicopter, move. First of all, how did he know there was a penalty happening from that height? And he just happened to be in a helicopter over the stadium at that exact moment. Well, that's and- always my question is what was he doing up there in the first place? Right. Like, I, I guess his mental powers reached a level where he knew a penalty was coming. Yeah. I've got one more note on Yuri Geller before we get off him because uh, he has a relationship with football outside of that famous moment where he made the ball move. Definitely. That's what happened in 1997. He tried to help the second division football club Exeter city win a crucial end of season game by placing quote energy infused crystals behind the goals at Exeter's ground. Exeter lost the game 5-1. He was appointed co-chairman of the club in 2002, and the club was relegated to the Football Conference in May 2003, where it remained for five years. He also brought Michael Jackson to Exeter City. Why? Michael Jackson was his best man at his, uh, at his wedding, too. Really? Yeah. This guy is... Amazing. He's been around a long time. He's also a former Israeli paratrooper. Like... How- what a career. <laughs> I'm going to give up the old paratroop and going to get involved in the spoon bending. There's, there should, there's a movie here, I feel like. We should oh. probably get on this. we got yeah. to write a script and, and present he's, this. He's a, he's a weird guy. Uh, all right, let's go to Group E now, JJ. Poland, Spain, Slovakia, and Sweden. Uh, we'll run through these quickly. Poland, we'll start with them. They won their group in qualifying. That was, that's a nice achievement for them, by the way. Um, 
now look as this this is very simplistic in saying this it's almost cliche but like if you thought robert Lewandowski was important before for what poland were going to do what are we thinking now arcadius milik ruled out with a knee injury like this was always going to be hard for them and for him Lewandowski especially to have to kind of carry this group now now even more so i would say uh yeah We'll, uh, we'll get to that later. I have some quotes from their manager, Paolo Souza. Let's just say he's not taking the pressure off Lewandowski. <laughs> uh, I mean, and nor should he, by the way. Like, this guy's probably going to win a Ballon d'Or. I know, but don't state the obvious, Paolo. Come on. Uh, Spain, JJ. So they come in hoping to break their tie with Germany for most European championship trophies. Both of them have three. Um, their last major tournament. It, the last major tournament for them, it, it kind of felt like the official end of the era when they lost to um, Russia in the round of 16. And, mm. you know, that was for Spain. I know it was in Russia and Russia were kind of riding that wave, but that was not a great Russian team. No, um, uh, but it, and I may be wrong about this and we'll get to it in the five big questions. It might be new Spain, same problem. Okay. Um, I mean, sure enough, this roster reflects very much a new dawn for this country. As, uh, no, I, I can't, like, we talked about this three weeks ago or whatever when the Sergio Ramos news happened, but I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that there is not a single Real Madrid player on the roster. It's just, I don't know, that's just not a thing that I could have ever believed to be possible. Um, but sure enough, here we are. We'll talk about Spain, of course, in a couple minutes in greater detail. Slovakia, JJ, coming off a successful run, out of the group stage in 2016 at the Euros, it's still Marek Hamsik leading the way. Yes, he's the, he is the icon. He is the talisman. Um, they qualified via Nations League playoff uh, path B. Uh, they beat both Irelands. So in a way, you could say they unified Ireland. They, they beat the Republic on penalties, and then they took the North in extra time in Belfast. So I've seen a bit of them. Um, they, are, they are probably the weakest side in the group. And then Sweden, Swedes making their sixth consecutive appearance at this tournament. Good for them. There was a lot of intrigue leading into this about Zlatan uh, and making a return, you know, because they were so successful without him. You were almost getting the sense that maybe it's best for him to not be there. But then he kind of came out of this um, retirement that he had been in, said he was going to make his return and then suffered a knee injury in May and declared himself out of the tournament. And now so, the narrative is that they'll be better off without him, that this, this the younger players and, and the other players and the Forsbergs of this world will blossom because he's not there. So this narrative has flipped over and back. The players really wanted him. Now the players are okay that he's not there. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it bears itself out. All right, five questions. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So this is sort of what we referenced a moment ago. Is Spain's next generation ready to rise? Well, I'm going on the recent comments of the manager, Luis Enrique. He certainly thinks so. Um, look at uh, this example. Uh, after the nil-nil with Portugal, he's talking about his centre-backs, which were Pau Torres, who you saw with Villarreal this season, the youthful Pau Torres, and Emmerich Laporte, who has just become available, eligible to play for Spain. I saw two sensational central defenders who came close to full marks, two left-footers who can play the ball out from the back, who have power and strength. It could be that they will be the partnership for the Euros. So it's almost like he's saying, hey, you know, everyone was worried about centre-back. Everyone was worried about no Sergio Ramos and leadership. Look at these guys. They're doing a great job. And they did do a great job. Well, he might, he might be in damage control after the Ramos stuff and for all the angry 
Real Madrid supporters uh, out there wondering why Ramos wasn't brought. Yeah, but I, I, you know what? You have to turn the page at some point, and I think he was right to do it. Ramos did not have enough minutes, and if he felt that, he's right to go with his gut. Uh, one thing that I found curious was this comment. We need to be sharper in front of goal to have more of the ball. There are always things to improve on. That's true of all teams. They had 66% possession against Portugal, two shots on target. Mm -hmm. Does this feel like Spain 2018 and the aforementioned Russia? All the ball, no cutting edge. And they're going to go into uh, their opener. It looks like Busquets will not play. He will be in COVID isolation. And um, you look at the side, Andrew, and there is experience in, you know, Jordi Alba, but there's not much after that. New goalkeeper, the guy I talked about on the podcast, Unai Simon. He will start in goal. Um, there's Aspilicueta, experience too. Tiago, experience too. But is there any of the old school Spanish leaders? The Ramoses, obviously not. The Xabi Alonso's, obviously not. The Iker Casillas, obviously not. Um, this, this team has question marks. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to me, specifically what you mentioned about whether or not, you know, a lot of the ball, not a lot of cutting edge. It's funny, JJ, that was in some ways like even during their run from uh, in 08, 10 and 12, yeah. that was almost the criticism of them. Even then was that uh, now it, that may be even more true now. And like, look, sorry to cut across it. They, right. they hammered Germany. What was it? They scored on Germany. They embarrassed them in the nation's league. You know, that, that, that can, that can definitely, they can definitely score goals, but I just, I don't know. I looked at the front line. I look at Murata, Murata, um, well, it might be. I mean, it might, in the end, it might be Villarreal's Gerard Moreno. Well, yeah, thirty goals has, this season. Right, he has scored goals. So, uh, like, it's just a name that we're not really used to with no. this Spain side. So that's kind of what makes it interesting. I don't know. Like you mentioned, Luis Enrique quotes where he sounds confident or sounds good. There's also quotes from him where he sounds unsure, kind of like the rest of us. He said, mm. um, "There have been some young players who have surprised us. We still have potential to grow a lot more. I don't know what will happen." Yet, uh, I don't deny that we are favorites in the group, but not because of what we've done, but rather for the achievements of those who came before us. I'm not afraid of this challenge. The expectation is still there with Spain, but like he said, it's there not because of this specific team. It's because of, like he said, those other guys who have gotten Spain to this level where they're viewed now as, as rightfully so, as one of the giants of the world in this sport. Of course they are, but... Are they as good as some of those other teams around them? France, Germany, Portugal, England, whoever. Uh, we'll see. This will be an interesting tournament for them. It will. And look, they have like exciting talents like Pedri. They have we'll Rodri. get to him. Don't worry about him. Oh, we'll get to him. Okay. I won't say anything. But I'm, I am saying I don't want to sound down on them or whatever. And, and like this is obviously and clearly there are some great individuals on this side. But we've seen it before with Spain. They can be a bit, a bit insipid at the, uh, at the cutting edge of the team. Which is up front. So yeah. I mean, I don't. I honestly, I don't know. I really I know. don't know. I'm like, I'm like the manager. No, we we talked. Who was it on the last podcast? Was it the the Dutch we talked about as being? Were they? Are they the biggest wild card of the tournament? Uh, this this Spain side could be in that conversation too. We don't really know. And it's funny also. My my last thing on them. Um, we we always talk about or now we talk about Stephen Mandis. The uh, Mandisian words echoing in our head of oh, cohesion, uh, playing together, far. familiarity. Um, I never would think that that would be an issue for Spain. Like when they were at right. their best, they were dominated by players from just two clubs. <laughs> like that was it. Um, that's a lot of familiarity. But, but like now, 
look at this stat. Players from 29 different clubs in seven, seven different countries have been called up since the last World Cup for Spain. Besides Sergio Ramos, no player featured in more than seven of the 10 Euro qualifiers. So if we're talking about cohesion mattering, familiarity mattering, then that's going to be a problem for them because there's not a lot of it. Right. And I would have bought a, y- a Iago Aspas. I'm just, I, I keep yeah. saying that, but I would have. Uh, JJ, question two, which group stage matchup are you most excited for? I can do this quickly. Spain, Poland, June 19th in Seville. You've got Spain with their galaxy of really, really good players and this new Spain that we talked about. And you've got Poland who have the one thing maybe Spain don't have, which is an out-and-out absolute machine goal scorer. Uh, I think that could be a really good game. Third question here, the player from this group that you're most excited about? Uh, It's an easy one. Uh, Lewandowski. This man should have a Ballon d'Or, Andrew. Tore up the Bundesliga, breaking Gerd Muller's single-season goal-scoring record just in the season just past. 40-year-long record, 41 goals he scored. Uh, it's hard not to want him to, to, you know, to want to see him destroy for Poland. Um, and Paulo Sosa, the manager, agrees. <laughs> it, again, stating the obvious, Paulo Sosa says, the absolute basic element of our game in the attack must be to feed Lewandowski and the other attackers. He doesn't name any other ones. It's just to feed Lewandowski. We cannot afford to waste his potential. Poland has not only the best sniper in the world, but generally a very high level of attackers to choose from. <laughs> it's like he's damning the other attackers with faint praise. Yeah. Uh, Lewandowski is the key man and the manager knows it. Uh, let's see. I went with Pedri, JJ. Let's go. 18. Don't care. I think he's ready. <laughs> Already emerging. Um, yeah, you uh, give him the big buildup and he like he will flop. Mark, mark, mark. Why, why do you have to be this way? Because uh, I, I was reading about it. He idolizes Andres Iniesta and he's looking to continue following in those footsteps first for Barca, now for Spain. I, I was also reading this. Apparently, Pedri's father used to show him videos of Michael Laudrup. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Laudrup. What a player. Played for both Real Madrid and Barcelona, don't you know? Yeah. One of the one of the few. Um, he's attack minded, but not afraid to help out defensively as well. Uh, only Sergio Busquets completed more tackles for Barcelona midfielders. And, and we're talking about an 18 year old. That's, that's age beyond his years for stats sure. like that. Um, and did you know, JJ also, he's, uh, he's one of three players, 18 or younger in Europe's top five leagues with 10 plus goal involvements in all competitions this season. Florian Burtz was one with 15. And do you know who the other one was? I don't tell me young Gio Reyna. Ah, yeah. Anytime you're comparing a guy to Gio Reyna, then you know there's something there. Um, and But here is, now I had to put this in, JJ, the classic Devaney from this European Championships worry. He did play 3,529 minutes this season across all competitions, most of any teenager in Europe's top five leagues. I hope those 18-year-old legs are ready for a big tournament. Well, his his age of 18 is dragging down the, the Spanish average nicely. So they sit in around 26 years of age as the, the team average age, 2,800 minutes. It's in the third percentile area here. It's uh, below England. It's below Germany, France, and Portugal. Uh, I feel like you, you've studied this graph. I picture you with like goggles on and... and- beakers around you and Bunsen burners going and you but I just, do, I really do think it matters. I really think it matters. So, um, I don't know. It sounds like just a lot of numbers and I, you know, I don't, I don't deal really in math. Okay. I'll do it simple for you, Andrew. Some of the okay. players might be tired. Oh, oh, now it makes sense. 
Um, <laughs> all right, JJ, dark horse from this group. Uh, Who do you think? Uh, I know we just talked about Lewandowski and Poland equaling Lewandowski, but they have some really good experienced players. Krakowiak, Click from Leeds United, Bednarak from Southampton, Zelensky, a creative force. You're going to need him to be on fire for Poland to prosper. Uh, they're a better side than we're probably giving them credit for in this in this group, uh, group preview, but um, yeah, they could do something. Um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of said Sweden, even though I don't know their performance at the last World Cup maybe takes them out of the category of being a dark horse, but um, I don't know. I, I still put them. They've done well against high level competition lately, which I think bodes well for a major tournament. Uh, their manager, Yane Anderson, recently said this. He said, we've been playing against some of the best teams in the world this past year, Spain, France, Croatia, and Portugal. I think we've played good games and learned a lot from this experience. We know that we have to perform at the top level. Hopefully we can use what we have learned to be a better and sharper team in the upcoming Euros. I think that's a good thing um, to play in the build-up to a tournament, to play great teams. So, I, I, you know, they won't be afraid. They did well at the last tournament, and uh, I give them a good shot here. And maybe Alexander Isaac, 20 international caps, six goals and 17 goals in La Liga for Real Sociedad. Maybe he can emerge into the mantle that has been left by Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and, uh, and make a name for himself. I don't know. Until I see his minutes played versus age, <laughs> then I'm not really sure. Um, finally, JJ, is there a team in this group that you give no shot? Uh, I don't give a shot to Slovakia. Um, reliant on Hamzik. Uh, Greg Goose of uh, Minnesota United will be there. Dubravka is a good keeper, but um, the most they can hope to do is dent Sweden. And if they can do that, maybe they have a maybe they have a chance. I don't know. Well, well they're on an, uh, an eight match unbeaten streak. Yeah. And you talked about their road in, you know, the extra time against or penalties against Ireland, extra time against Northern Ireland. Yeah. So they know they know how to ground grind out tough wins in high pressure situations. I don't know. I would say like. You know what? No. And they wasn't it, it was 2016 Euro qualifying when they beat Spain, who they'll see in this group. So, you know what? I, I would say no. There's not a team in this group that I give no shot. It wouldn't stun me if Slovakia wound up as one of the, the top four third place teams. Okay, fair. Uh, all right. The wheel. Give Beautiful her a spin. Wheel. Give her a spin, and Andy. Spin. Ah, oh, a classic. Huh. Top of the charts, JJ. We used to do this in our World Cup group previews for every single nation. Um, we would play for you as our intro into talking about that that side for our group previews. We'd play the number one song currently from that country. And so we've landed on that for the wheel. Now, I don't have all the countries here. I, I, I have Spain. Uh, you ready for Spain? This is uh, Todo de Ti by Raul Alejandro. Here we go. What do you think? I like it. Uh, I, I like it too. He's like, uh, he's almost like a, a Bieber quality to the beat. So he's uh, he's Puerto Rican. Uh, he's ah. from San Juan. And by the way, did did you watch the music uh, the music video for this? Yes, I did. Did you notice the the cameo about midway through? No, who was so it? I was watching and I was like, wait a minute, is that Shaq? And so uh, sure enough, Shaquille O'Neal is oh my. in the music video dancing around on roller skates. Seriously, does this guy ever just pick up the phone and say, no, I'm not doing that? He went straight from the shoot of this music video to another uh, general commercial to be filmed. Know, 
do you know I was I was looking for a toy for my nephew, a toy truck. So I Googled Tonka to see Tonka trucks and see what they're up to. Other trucks are available. Mm-hmm. Who's who is the brand ambassador for Tonka? Shaq. It's ridiculous. Good. You know what? Good for him. Keep getting those checks. Oh, man. As yeah. long as people are willing to pay you like, OK, fine, I'll do it. Sure. What's it to him? These are all, like he's in a music video. Cool. It's a good song. General good song. auto insurance. I don't, I don't know anything about it, but, you know, whatever. And the commercials are funny. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, you know what? I enjoyed that. I, I have one more. I, I got one more for you. If oh, you want. Well, go ahead. One. All right. This is the number one song currently from Sweden. According to SwedishCharts.com, it's uh, A36, Sama Gamla Van Liga. Here we go. Hey, yo, oh. I like this. Oh, I like this too. Yeah, he's actually now he's not Swedish. I believe he's actually uh, French. Okay, interesting. Yeah, but there you go. The number one songs right now in uh, and and and, and great use, great use of dirt bikes in the video too. Yeah. Remember when music video, like, I feel like music videos just not the same anymore. They've Only gotten on. a little bit cheaper, I think. Well, I just mean in like my, like I used to come home and watch music videos. Imagine you watched music. It was, it was crazy. But I think music videos are still excellent. Now, like when I see them on like YouTube and stuff, I'm still like, wow, this production value is actually like crazy. Favorite but, music. Like, they're just not on television. Favorite music video from the classic era of MTV. Go. So I would say either Jamiroquai. Uh, virtual Did insanity. Mean up. Um, also, uh, victory from Puff Daddy. The music video is crazy. It's right. like a movie unto okay. itself. Uh, yeah, those two come to mind for me quickly. Yeah, Soundgarden, Black Hole Song. Oh man, yeah, it's so creepy. Yeah, and it was like just a brilliant song. Uh, all right, here we go. Group F, JJ. Group. Here F. we go. I mean. We've got the reigning World Cup champion. What we, sickos dreamt up this group? What we've got absolute maniacs. The, the reigning European champion, the nation currently tied for the most European championship titles, and the only nation that has a player on its squad who plays for the Philadelphia Union. JJ, this is the group <laughs> of death. Let's oh. start. Uh, it's France, Germany, Hungary, and Portugal. Uh, we'll go through these quickly before we get to our five questions. For France, it's going to be looking to become the third reigning World Cup champion to win the Euros. Spain did it, of course, in 2012, and the French were the first to do it in 2000. Um, they are your betting favorite right now, plus 450. Um, I'm not surprised by that at all. Uh, and then, JJ, what, did you really think that we were going to make it through the entirety of these group previews without some sort of Jose Mourinho reference? He has found a way into this podcast, my friend. Oh, and I'm glad of it. He's never far from controversy. So he was speaking to the son about the French team. And he said this. He said, I cannot see any weaknesses. If I had to say one team to win it, I will say them. Because the group of players is fantastic. They have to win it. If not, it's an unsuccessful Euros. Um, uh, he's, he's like, I don't think that's a crazy statement. But Didier Deschamps was told that and he... He didn't seem happy with it. Uh, he was he responded to Telefoot, uh, and he replied by saying, "Oh, I thought the same thing about his Tottenham team, but it didn't end up happening like that." Oh, uh, that's you Caddy. know what? That is over the top from Deschamps. There's no need to respond that way. 
the easy, why doesn't he just go to the Zidane route? I respect Mourinho greatly as a coach and his views are right. We have a strong team, but there are other strong teams and we must play to our best to win. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, Jose, and way, he's, he's getting, a pundit for this, right? Like he's. It's so, his job. Yeah. Getting testy about Spurs. Come on. Uh, let's see. Germany. Um, this will be the Germans record 13th consecutive appearance here. Um, but notably, it will be the final one for notorious butt sniffer Yogi Lowe, his final appearance as manager of the German national team. Let's all take a moment, JJ, and sniff some butts. <laughs> He's not actually sniffing butts, though. His fingers wander into areas where there may be smells. And then what and does he, he do? He checks to make sure that he is in a good smell order, that he is not carrying what you know me and smells. I know you bring you bring deodorant with you and put it on before we record. I'm what not joking. Of, what kind of animal walks in off a steaming subway and doesn't check for smells? Make sure make sure they're okay. Don't inflict your odor on on other people. But just wear like long lasting deodorant. Like now, deodorants are 24 hours. So well, what, someone like some someone should have told Yogi. Uh, let's see. We'll talk more about Germany. Definitely. Sure. Uh, I know I have a lot to say on them. Hungary, JJ, their road here was incredible. Uh, trailing to Iceland in the playoff path, a final, uh, they scored in the 88th to tie it. And then in the second minute of stoppage time to win it. Um, if they're going to win this time around, it's going to have to be by way of defending. Certainly <laughs> like, look at these teams. Uh, they created just 6.6 chances from open play and had 16.9 touches in the attacking penalty area per 90 minutes during qualification. Both are the lowest rate among qualified Euro teams. Yeah, let's take that team and put them in this group. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, just, that's not, that's not right. I will say I, I, I've broken down the names of their good players phonetically. So look forward to that later as I butcher uh, Hungarian names. But Lots they do... of stuttering and stammering. That plays well on podcasts. Oh, 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 it does it really? Well, you, you should be the best podcaster in the world ever then. Huh? See, I'm using the uh, Didier Deschamps method of responding to things. By the way, JJ, because I know you're a Bielsa lover, um, mm. the uh, Hungary's manager, Marco Rossi, played for Bielsa in 95-96 at Club America. Rossi said he learned to watch games nonstop from Bielsa. And Bielsa's, I mean, his house is just a room full of videotapes that he watches. <laughs> Did you see Bielsa was out coaching under 11s last yes, week? I was going to mention that. <laughs> Take a day off. He's, obs- I mean, look, I, do what you love, right? Like, clearly this man is in the right profession. He can't stop. You know the I way you, great. you know the way you need someone to organize your, your, your five-a-side team? I think we have a candidate. You could just, if you had his number, you could just text him and the answer would be, yes, where, 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 where do you want to meet? Like, that would be it. And he'd come with graphs and folders. Yeah, he's probably been lurking in the bushes of the, of the opposition. Come on now. He doesn't do that. He sends other people to do that. Ah, that's right. I forgot. But he's proud of it. Uh, <laughs> all right. And Portugal, JJ. Um, what a team they have. Good Lord. Um, now, I will say this. They're, so they're your, your reigning European champions currently. Defending that crown has proven to be difficult. Spain are the only nation to repeat as champs. And beyond that, they're actually the only reigning champion to even make it past the quarterfinals since 1996. I don't know why that is, but... I guess teams, if you, I guess if you're good enough to win this competition, it means that you're doing it with a group of players who are in their prime. So conceivably four years later, they'll be out of their prime. So there, there we go. We just made sense of it together. 
<laughs> I'm just looking at the team that that took the field against uh, Spain in their in their last warm up game. They'll have one more against um, Israel. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Diego Jota, João Felix, Renato Sanchez, Jose Fonten, Pep, Pepe at the back, um, yeah. oh, the bench, João Moutinho, Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> Come on! I mean, did you even mention? Did Ruben Diaz? Did you get to him? I did not. I mean, geez, that's the thing is like, so I I say teams don't repeat in this competition because generally speaking, they had guys in their prime and now they're out of their prime. I'm sorry. This Portugal team would crush the Portugal team that won this five years ago. Uh, Yes, that's true. But I I would make a point about them that uh, they are kind of. Fernando Santos, sometimes he doesn't let them off the leash, if you know what I mean. They are very, very much aware of the you know, defending, being compact, being hard to beat. All it, those so, things. it sounds like another Portuguese manager would do very I, well here. I'm not, I'm not going to accuse him of being as, as, as negative as that, but um, sometimes I've watched them and I thought they should be doing more for the players they have, but that's, that's in the side. Maybe this is the summer where they, they just come out and explode. Ronaldo is going to be interesting in this one. Um, you know, in, in some respects, like he's changed as a player. There's no question about that. He used to be more playmaker. Now he's just kind of more goal scorer, lets others do his running for him. Um, but in some aspects, he's gotten better with age. Like we've talked about this before. Um, he averages 0.64 goals per 90 in major tournaments since 2011. Before 2011, he was at 0.32, uh, 0.32 goals per 90. So like since like we would talk about all the time, the stats of like since he turned 30 how his goal scoring numbers have actually even increased. So you, it'd be foolish to, to count him out as being, you know, too old or anything like that. I think we saw that in Serie A to a certain extent mm. uh, leading the league in goals. So we'll see. Um, later, JJ, we'll do our, our player that we're most excited about from this group. So I'm going to mention someone else there, but I wanted to take this moment to mention my, my honorable mention for that. And it's Andre Silva, because when we go through, Portugal squad. His name is just not one that is usually mentioned. We talk about Cristiano. We talk about Bruno Fernandez, Ruben Diaz. Um, but like Andre Silva this year in Eintracht Frankfurt, 40 goals over his last two seasons in the Bundesliga, tied with Erling Holland for second most in the league. Only Lewandowski's 75, which is crazy, uh, is ahead of him. In 2020, uh, 21, after signing permanently with Frankfurt, he scored 28 goals finishing only behind Lewandowski for most in the Bundesliga. He's played well for his country, too. Uh, 16 goals for Portugal, second most by any player selected on this squad, behind, obviously, Ronaldo and his ridiculous 103. But, like, this guy, I guess for Anglo-centric people like us, he flies under the radar, but he is one of the best goal scorers in the Bundesliga, right there with Holland and and Lewandowski's ahead of everyone. But this guy is excellent. And so when you're going through it and looking at dangerous players on this Portugal team, don't overlook him. He's a great goal scorer. And unfortunately for him, goes to Milan, didn't have a great time. Oh, he's terrible. That's just the way people see things. He flitted Mm -hmm. out of their memory a little bit. But um, you're right. he's, He's a quality player. All right. Five big questions, JJ. France, like we mentioned, they're the tournament favorites. Are there any areas of this team where you can poke holes? Okay, look, I had to go deep to do this because this this squad is absolutely stacked, and there's no point me listing what a great team they have. Anyone, so you're gonna so you're gonna list all the minutes they've played. Anyone? No, I'm not gonna go that way. I'm not gonna do it that way. What I've decided to do was look at the four points they dropped in qualifying to Turkey and how they conceded those goals. That's all I've done. So it's very easy. 
Um, in reverse order, in the drawn game, uh, which was 1-1 in Paris, which they dominated and France should have won by more, it was a whipped, or should have won, period. Uh, it was a whipped, deep free kick to the back post that caught Pavard and Varane out and was headed home by Aya. In the 2-0 defeat in Turkey, the opener was a whipped free kick into the box, not dealt with by the fullback. In this case, it was Lucas Digne, and that was headed towards Ayan, who scored. Any number of French players just marking space. And the second goal was something Manchester United fans will be accustomed to. Pogba caught in possession in front of the French goal, and Schengi's under gets it and buries it. There aren't many French weaknesses, but... An injury, I would say, to either Kante and Griezmann would certainly upset things. And maybe, 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 maybe they're susceptible on set pieces. Maybe. It doesn't seem fair that the the reigning runners-up from the last Euros, the reigning World Cup champions, like, they can just be like, uh, you know what, let's bring Benzema back. Yeah. It's just like, like that was their own. Uh, if I had to pick a weakness, that would have been the only one is like, who who is the true center forward for this team? Like they've been relying on Olivier Giroud, who's fine, but I don't know. He's More fine. Than fine. They won a World Cup with him leading the line. Yeah, but like he was fine. Yeah, you know, he wasn't. He, he wasn't was like the star of that team. No, hardly. He, but but there wasn't like if you look at Kylian Mbappe's performances, did he have some amazing moments? He was great. Can you, Andrew? Did he? He have was some, great. He had some amazing moments. Absolutely did. But that French team played within itself. It really did. And, and again, we're talking about conservative managers. Deschamps, sometimes he plays a little bit with the handbrake off, or handbrake on, rather. Yeah. And, um, but, so, like, what were they? They scored four in the final, right? And didn't they score four against Argentina? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, but like even in the that's group, the handbrake being on. Yeah, look at, look at the group stage, though, as well. I, I'm just saying... I, to, I, suppose, I, I suppose you just look at the names and you think maybe there should be even more out of this site. They're, but they're, they're a brilliant team. They're uh, incredible. They um, are a brilliant team. And Griezmann, his importance, when you watch back tape of them when they play, he is, he is huge to this site. Of course. Yeah. I mean, for me, if I'm saying most important player... Um, in goal you know, of Conte, because... Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the guy for me. Hmm. I saw a stat today, JJ. I guess um, I think ESPN FC tweeted it that Ngolo Kante and Paul Pogba have played when they played together for France 27 times. They've never lost when those wow. two guys are playing together. Um, two other quick questions about this: the Benzema thing that I brought up. Like obviously, the player Benzema is phenomenal, great player. Yes, um, and he'll score goals for them. There's no question about it. But like the teams that succeed in these tournaments, generally speaking. Like when, when France were a disaster, it's not because they didn't have great players. It's because they were kind of a mess. Um, like does bringing Benzema back into the fold, a guy who, who publicly ridiculed Giroud, um, <clears throat> you know, we know his issues with the whole like sex tape scandal. Mm. Like could that in any way upset the apple cart of what seems like a pretty together group? Well, well Giroud just laughed it off. He said, we'll, we'll go go-karting if we to celebrate a victory or something like that. You know, it was, just... it was a great public comment, but I wonder if like inside he's like, <sighs> well, but ben, Benzema came off injured in the three nil defeat of Bulgaria the other night. So, you know, maybe, maybe it is Giroud who gets the nod from the start. Yeah, there can, that, that could upset the apple cart a little bit. I don't know how he's viewed by the rest of the squad. Don't forget the squad has had some turnover since 2015 or 2016, the last time Benzema played. So, yeah, I don't know. Giroud seems like a very good soldier. 
He really does. Yeah, he does. And uh, he's his scoring record. He's only a few goals off Thierry Henry for France. So he'll have his eyes on coming on and making an impact if he's not going to start. And I, I, he just seems like a really good guy. And uh, I think he will, he, will, he will meet the challenge of Benzema being there rather than uh, sulk or do anything like that. One day, maybe not on this podcast, but one day we need to broach the question of which which French side are you taking? Like this era, France, or the 98-2000 the era, France? I'm never turning down an opportunity to watch Zidane again, so that's okay. pretty easy. Uh, well, Z- Zidane, Trezeguet, Henri, even Sylvain Viltor, players like that, Vieira in the center of the park, no, not a chance. Okay, just as easily in, but that, that, in that's 20 part- years, someone will be saying that about Mbappe. Of course, and don't forget, it's nostalgia is a huge part of that too. Especially with you. Yeah, I love uh, nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, all right. Which group stage matchup are you most excited for? I mean, flip a coin. Yeah, I'm just going with Tuesday's clash between France and Germany. The potential for a big team to be wounded early on is really enticing uh, as a game. Plus, it's France v. Germany. Yeah. A rematch of the semifinal from the six, was it the 16 euros? 16 euros, yeah. Which was and, a great game. A game I thoroughly enjoyed too. Yeah. I mean, I went France Portugal just simply because we'll get. Um, a rematch of the 16 final. And I wonder if France will be uh, extra motivated, if that's even possible. Yeah. Um, all right. Player from this group that you're most excited about. Uh, uh, Kai Havertz, Andrew. Oh, uh, it was COVID and an injury interrupted season that really hampered him. But the Champions League final was an indication of what he can deliver. And I think he could be key to kickstarting this German attack. He offers them something different. And so I'm going with Kai Havertz. In a German uh, I, shirt. I went super cliche here, um, but I can only tell you how I feel inside, and that is Mbappe. I'm so excited to watch him. Um, 37 goals and 10 assists in all competitions this season. He was excellent, like I, I thought, at the last World Cup at 18 years old. This guy loves a big stage. He won the Young Player of the Tournament Award at the last World Cup. Became um, only the third teenager with four-plus goals at a World Cup. Um, the other two, by the way, Edmund Conan of Germany way back in the day and Pele uh, and now Mbappe still just 22 years old. Jeez. I can't wait to watch him. Probably if, if we had a question of the, this question for the whole tournament, as opposed to just group by group, he, I think he's my answer. Okay. Uh, when I say dark horse team from this group, who would you say, can I go first here? Um, you can, cause okay. I don't really have one because so, it's, my answer is weird. Um, Go on. Because like never is this, they're not a dark horse, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Germany. And, and I'm only saying that because like, am I wrong in feeling like there's been kind of like a, a downshift in expectations for them? Like, don't you feel that also? Maybe it's because they didn't get out of the group at the world cup in 2018, uh, their recent World Cup qualifiers in March were, were fairly poor. They lost to North Macedonia. They only beat Romania 1-0. So I feel like maybe there's kind of this feeling of, uh, you know, oh, maybe the, Germany's time has passed. But, like, I'm sorry, man. Like, first of all, if we've learned anything over the years, it's that Germany always wins in these tournaments. And, like, you mentioned Havertz. I'm just not prepared to write off a side that has Neuer and net, Rudiger, Sula, and Hummels at center back, Gundogan, Kroos, Kimmich, Havertz, Goretzka, Musiala in the midfield, Gnabry, Werner, Sané, Thomas Muller back in the fold in attack. Like, uh, uh, if they're bad again, then I'll just take the L 
and say like, okay, maybe I, I should have listened to what other people were saying, but it's just hard for me to look at this team and, and think that like their, their time is through. I'm just, I can't do that. As yeah, far I'm, as I'm concerned, they're still a great side. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to balance out your comments because I'm, I'm more or less in sync with you on this one with, uh, with something that I found very interesting from Jonathan Wilson. Um, he says that four of Lowe's squad have not played a minute for him in three years suggests how badly wrong his planning has gone. So that's Hummels, Muller, who he just exiled, mm-hmm. uh, Gunter, the fullback, and Kevin Volland up front. So no World Cup winning coach will ever be entirely scorned, but the sense that Lowe has stayed on too long could easily slip into something even more negative. There may be one or two problem positions, but this is a highly, a highly talented squad. Lowe just needs to needs the equivalent of his jog in Rio to work out how best to use them. So apparently, uh, earlier on in the article, Jonathan's talking about how um, Yogi Love was struggling with this whole concept of, of how to get the best out of his team in the middle of the 2014 World Cup, and he went for a jog on the beach in Rio, and it came to him. Um, he might need that again. The other side to it is, Andrew, he's got nothing after this. He knows it's over, mm-hmm. so he's, in t- he's going to go for broke. Yeah, like bringing Muller and Hummels back into the fold. Like, I think about like Happy Gilmore going back to Chubbs Peterson and just like mm-hmm. begging him to come back and help him. Like, I'm, you are smart. I am stupid. Uh, I am ugly. You are beautiful. Like, just pleading with these guys. And I don't think he was wrong. Yeah, I think when you're when you've got players in at the at the tail end of their careers in their thirties, you don't have to beg them to come back. But it's an admission that he he really got things wrong in the fallout from 2018. Uh, last but not least, JJ, is there a team in this group that that you give no shot? I mean, I, I will I will based on I'm thinking of 2016. I I will probably regret this, but Hungary. I know they're on like something like they drew with Ireland last night, so that must be 11 games unbeaten. Uh, I know they were fun topping their group at Euro 2016, and they, like I said, they they'll make me regret it. I'm sure but they'll probably be whipping boys in this group. And um, the player we were all excited to see, uh, Dominic Sobojli, he won't be there through injury. Um, they've got some good players, the Leipzig pair, Gulassi the keeper, and defender Willie, Willie Orban. You know, quality players playing at a high level. Uh, Roland Shailoyli has eight goals and six assists um, this season for Freiburg. However, Adam Saloyi has one goal for Mainz. That's the... That's the other attacker they have. They have no shot. So you can expect them to beat Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll say this. At the very least, they have an opportunity to create some pretty cool memories facing these three teams, especially I think their first two group games are in Budapest. So that could be awesome. Right. And that was the venue that has 100% attendance, I believe. That is correct. So that could be, be cool. They'll be vociferous and they'll be noisy, no doubt. So maybe maybe that makes a difference for them. I, it will make a difference. It surely will. But um, they're uh, they are going to be a tough team to pr- pronounce. That's all I'll say. Because the way you think it sounds, <laughs> the way you think it sounds when you look at it on the page, that's not right. Well, you did great. You did great. Uh, all right. One final spin of our European Championship wheel. You ready? Here we go. And spin. Up, 
You knew, JJ. I, I weighted it down oh, with no. magnets to make sure that we oh, would get on. one final session uh, of group trivia. All right. Well, I'm going to get everything wrong. All right. Because I'm tired at this point. Okay? okay. I'm really tired. That will only reflect poorly on you. So <laughs> at least try. All right. All right first question. Uh, Francis N'Golo Conte is one of the players this summer who will be looking for the rare European Cup European Championship in the same season. Ten players have done it all time, including two most recently at the 2016 Euros. Can you name them? Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yep. Um, uh, oh, give me the other one. I and the think. ageless Pepe. Ah, oh, Pepe, of course. And Pepe. Uh, all right, second question. Um, JJ, if Cristiano Ronaldo scores one goal in this tournament, he'll become the all-time leading scorer in the European Championships, breaking a tie with this Frenchman. Frenchman, it's an it's an older Frenchman, correct? Are, are we doing this where you kind of? Oh come on! It's not a recent. It's not. Is it Thierry Henry? No, no. So it's further back then. Yeah, Just Fontaine. No. Okay. Platini. Platini. Right. Michel Platini with nine. One okay. goal from Ronaldo. By the way, if Griezmann has like a big tournament, I think Griezmann has six. Um, so if he has like a crazy tournament and Ronaldo doesn't do anything, then like, who knows, maybe Griezmann could take the mantle from a fellow countryman. All right. And finally, JJ, the last question here. Good now this God. one is, this one is weird and different. You're just, you're just trying to, to hurt me. Go on. This, this one though is not, you can't be hurt with this one and you will, you will actually enjoy it. Cause you think you're smarter than everyone. And this, I don't you, actually think give you a that. chance you to keep really telling prove people it. That. Uh, oh. All right. Ready? So Manuel Neuer, JJ was recently a contestant, a celebrity contestant on Germany's version of who wants to be a millionaire. And he was incredible. He won 500,000 euros for charity. He came one question shy of the million dollar prize. Unbelievable. Here is the million, or I said dollar, the million euro question that he wound up choosing not to answer in favor of playing it safe and walking away with the 500 grand. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay. To Nuremberg's Martin Benheim, we owe the oldest surviving what? A, compass, B, slide rule, C, globe, or D, magnetic compass? Globe. JJ Devaney, you have won a million euros. Ah, sketching. Globe like is the answer. He was a German cartographer, and his globe was. is from 1490. It's now in the possession of the German National Museum in Nuremberg. He's in, he's in my top 10 cartographers, so I knew that straight away. If you were Neuer's phone a friend, he would have won a million euros for charity. Well, Manuel, I would have been guessing, by the way. So. <laughs> really? You didn't just know that? Oh, no. You know me in cartography, Andrew. I, I'm all over it. That's your thing. Uh, yeah. Anybody that asks, what's JJ like? I say, he's fine. Great with cartography. What a cartographer. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think we have cartographed these European championships beautifully. We have mapped them out and now we set sail. We are on a voyage. I can't wait for this to start. I just want to get into the football, man. I, I, I really am looking forward to it. International football, the good nationalism. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. It begins on Friday in Rome. Um, and we will be here, of course, all along the way. 
Uh, keep your eyes open. I mean, for the most part, we'll stick, I think, to our normal Tuesday podcast. So everybody keep your eyes out for that. But once we get to the knockout stages, all bets are off. I guess we'll see about bonus pods and emergency pods and so yep, on. Yep, so yep. just just keep refreshing that feed because you just you just never really know when they'll be coming. But I can't wait. This is going to be we've talked about how fun this summer is going to be um, with this Gold Cup later on. It's great stuff. And I enjoy I, I feel ready now. I mean, God, did we comb through these teams. I feel prepared and excited. Should be great, man. Um, this was fun. Hey, begins. It begins later this week. I hope all you guys out there enjoy it. Thank you for listening to these group previews. JJ, to you, I say. Check you later, cartographers. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 